0: Good morning, Wellspring family and friends. Um, I just removed my mask. I did take my COVID test this morning, and I'm uh, fully up to date with my vaccination. So we should be okay. We're continuing to pray for protection. And I feel like after this this challenging summer, where there was this really big surge um, with our overflowing medical centers and some more rigid restrictions, it feels like there's a little shift right now happening. Right, where's lower numbers? There's room in our medical centers. Once again, our, our doctors and nurses and medical workers that um, call while Bring Their Home are telling us that. So it feels like there's a little more options for us to gather, and um, that's really a wonderful thing. We want to seize these moments when we have them because, you know, we don't know what the future holds. So it's good to be with you here in person and online. Um, my husband, Dan, just got back from a run. He ran a half marathon this morning that had been canceled and then got, like, uh, uncanceled. So I hope that you've been able to have some, some good things happen for you this week um, that sort of unexpectedly opened up for you that maybe you wouldn't have anticipated. Um, just have to say, if that was me, that would not be, like, a happy thing. I'd be like, what? I wanted it to be canceled. <laughs> so I'm glad you had something fun happen this week. And we're praying for good in your life, too and in the life here of our island. Now, um, here at Wellspring, for the last couple of weeks, we've been going through a series called Why Wellspring? And um, first we asked, why church? What's the point of church? Um, what is it? Why does it matter? How can it still be good news for the world? And then two weeks ago, Pastor Cheryl looked at the story of Jesus' longest recorded conversation in scripture with this woman in Samaria. And She discussed how we here at Wellspring um, can continue to be a church community of wells, not walls. A community outside the box, as she put it the other week. It's a wonderful message. So if you weren't able to listen to it yet, I encourage you to go check that out. And then um, in January 21, I just want to give you a little bit um, of context for what we're talking about today. And um, it was early in this year, we were gathering together as a pastor team upstairs in the um, office just for a time of listening um, to God, a time of prayer as we were thinking about the year ahead, 2021. And we were asked the question um, what does God want for Wellspring right now? In this moment, what does God want for us as a team? And as we were each silently praying, I felt three words sort of bubble up to the surface. And the words were mending, equipping, and releasing. Mending, equipping, and releasing. So as we were sharing after in our time of processing, uh, the pictures and the the scripture verses that Pastor Cheryl and Pastor Dan heard uh, really, really mirrored this and confirmed this well. And um, we wrote about these three priorities, that these meet priorities for the year. Um, We wrote about it in our annual letter, I think, that we gave out at the the meeting in February um, of earlier this year. And since then, whenever we've planned anything this year as a team, we've run it by these three priorities. Asking questions like, what we're doing? Is it about God's mending in the world? God's reconciling and rebirth? Is it part of mending wounds? Um, is this, are we furthering our own mending or the mending around us that God wants to be about as God loves the world? Or maybe, um, is this about the work of equipping, it's about inviting people into the work of becoming like Christ so we can be our truest, most individual and unique, most mature selves like Christ. Are we, are we equipping people when we do this? and um, Or perhaps, uh, does this help further release our community, be God's witnesses around us, to build with Christ the kingdom of God in every corner and nook in society where God's presence wants to be known? So those were like our three guiding words. Are we is this about mending or maybe equipping or releasing and we tried to let everything we do be part of one of those priorities and these are priorities they're not like levels of a game we're like first you achieve one and then you can move on to the next and then you go move on to the next but it's more like a figure eight they each feed into each other as we mend we are equipped to be more like Christ we're released into the world we realize we need some mending we're part of God's mending works all it all feeds into each other so just some context. So last week we actually looked at the word mending. We looked at how the, the Spirit of Jesus, um, the Spirit of the Lord was on Jesus to mend. And we looked at all the different ways the good creation is not well and Jesus came to mend. And um, this week is just a very simple message. And we're going to be moving briefly to talk about equipping. And um, it's more of an introduction to the subject. Uh, but I invite you to spend time on the discussion questions if you want this week. I see some of you have worship notes. Um, there should be some on a stool over this side. And if you're listening online, um, there should be a link um, on our website that Leanne hopefully uploaded this morning. So there's a couple ways if you want to follow along in your notes. But let's um, invite you to spend time on the discussion questions if you can this week because um, we're just going to have a brief introduction. So I know that was a really long intro. So long, right? Don't worry, that was like half the message. I mean, maybe not quite half. (laughs) Okay, are you doing okay? We're going to be looking in the book of Hebrews. Um, And I, uh, as a person who loves coffee, um, whenever I read the book of Hebrews, um, lots of puns come to mind. And I I saw this mug the other day. Um, Here it is. Women aren't supposed to make coffee. The Bible says Hebrews. (laughs) Oh, isn't that bad? Wah, wah. See, that's bad theology. That's bad scripture interpretation. It's not really great humor either, <laughs> but it made me chuckle. So we're going to be looking in the book of Hebrews, and our text for today is wrapped in a benediction. It actually comes from a benediction in scripture. It's like a prayerful declarative blessing, and it's found all the way at the end of the book of Hebrews. And um, just for some context on the book of Hebrews, right, it has sort of like a Like, the title doesn't say who wrote it. We actually don't know who wrote it. Um, For a long time, scholars thought it might be Paul. And then as we did more studies in the Greek, it became very clear it wasn't Paul because of some very unique um, sentence structure, words that he never used, and some, like, different priorities in his theology, too, or her theology, whoever was writing this. Um, There's lots of theories. Did Apollos write it? Did Priscilla write it? We just frankly don't know. So we're just going to call it anonymous. Um, but we know that the writer of this book was writing to Christians of both Jewish and Gentiles, and non, non-Jewish origin, Christians who were experiencing lots of hardship. And friends, these days, hardship is no stranger to us, and even more weightily, is not a stranger to our world. So today's text comes for us near the end of the last chapter of the book. And the author has filled this chapter with all sorts of bits of practical pieces of wisdom and encouragements towards living the life of faith. It's really worth reading if you just want to read um, through Hebrews 13, or if you want to read through the whole book this week. So here we find our text, Hebrews 13, verses 20 through 21. If you want to read or follow along with me in your notes or turn on your Bible on your phone, this is the word of the Lord. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, Equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's so many beautiful ideas in this benediction to unpack, but we're just going to focus on one word today. It's found right in the middle of the passage. Put it in blue there, this little word, equip. Equip. Do you see it kind of pop out on the screen there? It's right in the middle of our passage, this word equip. Now, friends, when I I hear the word equip, um, I think of equipment, like sports equipment or gear. Um, I remember when when Dan and I first got married, uh, we quickly came to realize that we had really totally different views of footwear. Like our ideas of what shoes should be were very, very different. So I remember um, doing like a hike with the Axe Group here at Wellspring in the early 2000s. We were visiting, and Dan was actually a young adult here at Wellspring. Uh, Those of you who don't know, he was even baptized here in the early 2000s. So we were on a a hike with a bunch of young adults, and um, it was either Mariner's Ridge or like Manoa Falls. I I don't remember which one, but I was wearing flip-flops, like slippers. Tunilas, as we call them, where I grew up in the Philippines. And Dan was not impressed. He did not think it was cute. I'm like, look at me. I'm in my flip-flops. I'm wearing my slippers. And he's like, "Mm mm-mm. I have a couple not impressed memes. "Mm Mm-mm. Not impressed. Michaela, not impressed. Bernie, not impressed. (laughs) Dan was not impressed that I was not wearing adequate foot gear. Because wearing flip-flops on a hike is negligent. You need the right equipment. And um, in, his, in his family, shoes are not accessories. They're equipment. And in my family, shoes are accessories. So if I never want to wear sneakers, why, why get a pair? Um, and I do have to just say that after almost 20 years of being married to Dan, I now own three pairs of sneakers. <laughs> he has formed me. <laughs> and our relationship has changed the way I view foot gear. I have one for hiking. One for lifting and one all-around, right? All-around pair of sneakers. So sometimes when we think of the word equip, we think of equipment. We think of stuff. If you're a golfer, you might think about your golf clubs. If you play pickleball, you might think about your favorite paddle or the court you like to play on. If you're a photographer, you might think about the kind of gear you like to use to shoot with. If you're a cook, certain equipment is needed in the kitchen. You need a heat source. You need some materials to cook with. If you're a sewer or a crafter, some equipment is sacred. God forbid you use the fabric scissors on the paper. Mm-mm, mm-mm. We think of equipment. And yet, our word in this text, the English word is translated into English as equip. But it's actually a whole different meaning. In the text, the writer is actually pushing us in a whole different direction. So the author of Hebrews isn't blessing us with more stuff, with more gear, with more equipment to do God's will. Word translated into English, it's actually the, the Hebrew word katartizo, katartizo, and it means to strengthen or perfect, to make one what one can be, to fit or adjust. To join together for its full destination or use. And there's connotations of it when it's used in other contexts of it being like perfected or mended, made whole. So when the writer blesses the church with being equipped with everything good for doing God's will, they're actually not talking about things we need to get, but rather about who we are and who we are becoming. The author is writing about you and me, and about the ongoing holistic work of being formed, being fitted for our best, truest selves' use, being made complete. If you're following along in your notes, the first fill-in-the-blank in your notes is, as an equipping community here at Wellspring, so as an equipping community, we lean into formation. This word formation, it's not a word we use all the time, unless you're listening to Beyonce, For most of us, word formation isn't something we talk about all the time. And yet, it's exactly what the text is inviting of us. Come, be molded. Come, be formed. May the God, the great shepherd of your souls, who is caring for you, who has power, who raised Jesus from the dead, who keeps God's promises, may that God form you. May you be formed. So we want, we want to lean in formation. And I just have to say that like, lots of things in life form us. Uh, last year, we did a worship series on, on developing a rule of life. And we talked about how basically everything you do is shaping you. Everything I do is shaping me. Right? What we eat can form us. Scientists tell us that like, when we eat certain kinds of fast food, it can actually trigger uh, the pleasure receptors in our brain to release more dopamine. And let me tell you, that does not happen when I eat spinach salads. It just is not. The, 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 those little receptors are not firing. <laughs> like what we eat forms us. like what you watch on TV, what kind of news you listen to, that forms you too. But what ideology you listen to again and again, that will form the way you view the world, form the opinions you have of other people. That will form the choices you make. Right? How we feed our sex life forms us. Whether we're seeking to find joy in a committed covenantal relationship or not forms us right? I think of pornography, which is a twisting of god's good intent for us, and how I read this article a couple of years ago on how like all these all these women are reporting um, some really strange behaviors from their partners that were really not healthy because their partners um, were viewing certain types of porn that had shaped them that had formed them to desire certain things. Because friends, you and I are formable. That is one of the beauties of being made out of clay. When God breathed into the dust and created humanity, we are beings that can be shaped, can be molded. And we can choose to do this work, this very good work of uncovering who we are, or we can just let things around us shape us into becoming whatever. And so just as exercise shapes us, we are beings by nature. We're impacted and shaped by the practices we choose, by the habits we enact. This is not necessarily a, you know, a bad thing. I think it's probably a good thing um, because it's how God made us to be. Now, if you just take a moment, I want you to think about something uh, in your life that maybe it's a habit you have or a practice you do, something that forms you. And it can be kind of, uh, difficult sometimes if you haven't thought about it to actually begin thinking like what do I do that forms me because we can just do our life and be sometimes unaware of these things. So when I try to become aware you know there's some deeper things that pop up. A lighthearted hearted thing um, I'll just share this real quick is last year I think it was during the, the lockdown I watched Home Edit on Netflix and there are these professional organizers who go in and organize homes and by the end of watching first season it had shaped my expectations for how our fridge needed to look. Because suddenly, each time I opened our fridge, I was like, mm-mm, <laughs> it should not look this way. And I went out and got these plastic organizers, and it still looks pretty bad now. My, my lovely husband, Dan, is, is tasked with cleaning it, and he does a much better job than I do. But I was formed to expect certain things. So let's take a minute and invite you to think of a practice or a habit, something you do, that is shaping As an equipping community here at Wellspring, moving on in our notes, we lean as disciples of Jesus. If you're following along in your notes, the next fill-in-the-blank is as disciples of Jesus. We lean into formation as disciples of Jesus. Because friends, it's not just any kind of formation you're being invited into. It's to be formed as Jesus' disciples, Jesus' followers, Jesus' friends. Last year, we looked at um, this, this chapter in Scripture, Matthew 4, where Jesus is calling um, the first four disciples, um, or four of the first disciples. He's calling Peter and his brother Andrew, as well as James and John. And they were all working by the Sea of the Galilee. They're doing the practices of their vocation as fishermen. So they're throwing nets in water. They're catching fish. They're preparing nets. They're sailing a boat. when Jesus comes along and says, come follow me. And they did. They put down their old practices that shaped them and formed them to be fishers of fish. And they picked up new ones with Jesus over the next two years for how they could be fishers of people. And they leaned into this relationship, this formative relationship with Jesus as disciples, as followers, every day talking, sharing life together, eating meals, being changed and challenged. And as they did, as they leaned into the forming power of community and practicing the Sabbath and hospitality and truth and kindness sharing, something deep in them was coming to life, becoming free for the first time. As they leaned into formation as disciples of Jesus, they discovered their true selves coming to light in God. This is what God has for us, too. Because let's think about it. Why else would the disciples stay if it were not something deep in them being sparked to life? This feeling of coming home in new ways that maybe they didn't even have words to explain. I mean, they didn't stay with Jesus because of hero worship, because Jesus disappointed, perplexed, and offended so many people. In fact, he even developed a very large following, and then those disciples left um, after Jesus said really hard sayings like, In John 4, uh, I think it's John 6, actually, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats this bread will have um, eternal life. And this bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And can you imagine hearing that for the first time? People were like, "Mm, dude, you just lost me. It was like a nice run. I love watching you heal people and everything, but I'm out. (laughs) Just got a little weird. Talking about eating that. No, I'm out. And so people were leaving, and Jesus turns to the 12, and he says, are you going to leave too? Are you going to leave too? And Peter says, Lord, whom will we go? You have the words of life. Because with Jesus, something in them was coming to life. This powerful pull. They discovered it as they were sent out, as they did the works of Jesus, as they cast out demons and healed the sick, as they confronted their own struggles and worked through their expectations and desire to be greatest as Jesus revealed more of the kingdom of heaven all around them. I think that joy was sparked. I think that hope was sparked. Something was coming to life in them. And that's what we hope for for ourselves, too. As an equipping community here at Wellspring, we lean into formation as disciples of Jesus, as disciples of Christ, becoming our true selves in Christ. You're following along your notes. It's the last fill in the blank. We lean into formation as disciples of Jesus, becoming our true selves in Christ, becoming our true selves. Now, some of you might be thinking, oh my goodness, this sounds like a lot of work. Why would I ever want to lean into spiritual formation and into practices as disciple of Jesus? Like equipping? Okay, maybe it's not about stuff, but it still sounds like a lot of hard work, and I'm just barely hanging on. If that's you today, I hear you. The last thing you want is another thing to do. The good good news about equipping that God has for us is that it's easier than what most of us are doing already because it's life giving. It's life giving. We can get burned out and tired when our work isn't life giving, right? When it's too much, when we're taxed and empty. Being formed as disciples of Jesus, being brought further and further into life, it is a life giving process. That draws out who you were meant to be, who you can be, who you truly are in Christ. And God does this work. Christ does this work in us. We cannot do it on our own, but we can show up for it. I read this book in the the mid-2000s that really resonated with me, and it was written by the Benedictine nun, Joan Shittister. And I think this is in her book, called to Question. She said, life is meant to be nothing but a growing ground in God. If we fail to cultivate that part of us that is our truest self, how can the self come to full life in us? The spiritual life is the discovery of the self God meant us to be, right? Before our sin. So that who we are can be God's gift to the rest of the world. Isn't that beautiful? I wrote it down in a journal, and I discovered it this week when I was on a retreat. Spiritual life is a discovery of the self God meant us to be. So who we are can be God's gift to the rest of the world. That is forming work, friends. That is work that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through God's grace, which held us long before we were born and will hold us long after we die in God's heavenly kingdom, we are suspended and held in this grace, called forth to be your true self in Christ. Be who Christ called you to be. As we cha- change, the Apostle Paul writes, from glory to glory, this idea of transformation, becoming more and more like Christ. The Holy Spirit does this work. We show up. I'm reminded of a story from another um, wonderful Catholic writer, priest, and teacher, Henry Nouwen. Um, and it's a spiritual direction class that he taught. Uh, he told the story of a sculptor who worked hard with a hammer and chisel, on a large block of marble, and a little child who was watching saw these large and small pieces of stone falling away left and right and just had no idea what was happening, and the boy returned to the studio a few weeks later, and to his surprise, a large, magnificent lion stood sitting in the place where the marble had stood. With great excitement, the boy ran up to the sculptor, reported to Michelangelo, but we'll just call a sculptor. The boy runs up to the sculptor and says, Sir, tell me, how did you know there was a lion in the marble? As Henry Nouwen reflected on the story, he says the sculptor was able to see the lion in the marble just as God is able to see who we can be, who we truly are in our identity, hidden with Christ in God, the Apostle Paul says. He says, the lion in me, Recognize the lion in the marble. And friends, that's what formation is. That's what this equipping that the writer of Hebrews is blessing us with. For God to chip away all the parts that don't belong until you can be all who God intends for you to be, living into God's goodwill for the good of you and for our world. This is the best work of all because it releases us and frees us to be our truest self. Now, if you were um, looking at the context of our scripture today, because we started at the end of the chapter, if you were to zoom out and look at the rest of the chapter, you would see that um, it's a whole bunch of exhortations about living a life formed by the Jesus way. It begins with an exhortation to be rooted in love, to let your love flow, to let your love be shared by each other. And then from that come all these invitations to be formed by generosity, by sexual faithfulness, by an overflow of love to remember those in prison, to care for people outside our comfort zone, outside the camp, the writer writes. The list goes on. And friends, we choose to be formed in that way for that goal because it is freeing work that frees us up. We choose to lean into formation here at Wellspring. We choose to live into this equipping not because it's just, you know, checking off another box of what God requires from us, not because religion tells us we have to do it for God to accept us, because we know that in Christ we are already accepted in God. We do this because we know God's will is for our good, for our deep good, for the line and the marble to be called forth. And friends, Jesus still calls would-be disciples into formation throughout the world. I want to end with these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. He's calling from the message. Are you tired? Jesus says. Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Friends, this is what it means when we come to Jesus to be equipped for the will of God, becoming our true selves, learning the unforced rhythms of grace. As I get ready to um, call Pastor Dana to lead us into communion, a wonderful time of sharing in the life of Christ, I just want to leave you with these three Three ways to be thinking about how we can lean into formation as disciples of Jesus, becoming our true selves in Christ. Three different ways, and they're in your um, reflection notes, so you don't have to write them down. That's what we can seek, opportunities, resources, and community. You're wondering, God, what is the next step uh, in you forming me? Because this is your work. I'm just going to show up for it. Uh, How do I show up for it? Well, we can look for opportunities, resources, and community. Here at Wellspring... We have Lectio Divina group that meets every Wednesday and every Sunday for prayer, a prayerful, reflective reading of Scripture. That's a wonderful way to be formed by the person of Jesus. We have a men's group on Saturday, which our wonderful John leads. It's a wonderful time to come and be formed. Perhaps it's picking up a new practice, like sitting in silence for five minutes every day before you go to work, before you start caring for your grandchildren, just letting God breathe God's life in you. So there's many opportunities. We can seek them out. There's resources. There's three books I'm going to quickly mention. The first one is an old one but a goodie, Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. Um, wonderful discussion on all the different ways we can be formed and history of it and tying into different people in the Bible and different streams of the faith. Then there's Spiritual Discipline's Handbook by Adele Calhoun. It's a phenomenal one. If you're looking just for a quick guide to think of new ways of being with Jesus, just to try out, a fantastic book for that. And then there's a new one. Came out this year called A Deeply Formed Life by Pastor Rich um, Velotas, And he's the, actually the successor for Pete Scazzaro at Pete Scazzaro's Old Church in New York City. And um, many of you know Pete Scazzaro because we've done his emotionally healthy discipleship and emotionally healthy spirituality course for many years here at Wellspring. So this is a wonderful book with five different ways to live a deeply rooted life. So friends, you have these three things. Opportunities, resources, and lastly, we have community. That's you. That's me. That's each other. Let's lean into that. Benedictions in scripture are places of blessing. Let's receive the blessing of being equipped. Amen.